43. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. And I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. Fern was up early on Sunday. She didn't quite understand her anticipation to get to church today. Not that she usually didn't look forward to Sunday, but for some reason, today she was on edge. As she pulled into the parking spot she considered hers, she glanced around and noticed the cars belonging to her friends. As, as was her usual custom before worship, she stopped into the meditation room to pray and calm her soul. It was a familiar ritual that helped her prepare and open herself to hear God's word. But today, for some reason, she could not calm herself. Perhaps she shouldn't have been up late reading Dickens last night. Today, she felt like Scrooge as she paced across the room. Humbug. After several turns, she stopped and looked up. Suddenly, bells began to ring. So loudly, so insistently, that she thought she was dreaming. When the bells ceased, as suddenly as they had begun, they were succeeded by a rustling noise. As if some person were dragging a long paper chain through the halls. Fern then remembered to have heard that ghosts in haunted churches were described as making rustling paper noises. The door flew open, and then she heard a noise much louder coming straight towards her. It's humbug still. I won't believe it. She began to change her mind when something entered, something coming toward her, something that looked suspiciously like, no, it couldn't be. It couldn't be Amy B. Young. Although the face was the same, and so was the clothing, Amy, in her usual youth shirt with iPod headphones in her ear, the chain she carried was wrapped around her. It was long and wound about her like a tail, and it was made of brightly colored scraps of paper representing the variety of the poor and hungry in the world. Though Fern looked at the apparition over and over and saw it standing before her, she thought, though she felt the influence of her eyes, she was still incredulous. How now? What do you want with me? Much. Who are you? Ask me what I am. What are you then? I am your helper, Amy B. Young. At this, Fern gave the apparition a skeptical look, despite having divined the very thing her herself only moments before. You don't believe in me. I don't. You're not real. What evidence would you have of my reality? I don't know. Why do you doubt? 
Because you're too young to understand the world. You're not responsible. You're easily distracted. You're never in worship. I am here. I just sit in the balcony. All you do is play Nerf and video games. What do you know about anything? Teenagers today don't get involved and don't care. Humbug, I tell you, humbug. At this, the youth raised a frightful cry and shook its chain with such a dismal and appalling noise that Fern fell upon her knees and clasped her hands before her face. Mercy! Perhaps I was hasty in my speech. Dreadful apparition, why do you trouble me? What do you want of me? Oh, you of the worldly mind, are you willing to listen to me or not? I am. I must. But why have you left the youth room, and why do you come to me? It is required of every youth to venture into Keck Hall, to walk among the tables, and travel far and wide to educate who any who would listen. Oh, woe is me! I must tell you of the people who are starving, and the children who are dying every day! Again, Amy raised a cry and shook its chain. You are chained. Tell me why. I wear the chain I forged in the Sunday school wing. I made it link by ink and yard by yard. I wrapped myself in it of my own free will, and of my own free will I wear it. Is its pattern strange to you? It was longer and heavier than this ten years ago. We have labored on it since. It is become lighter, but it is a still a ponderous chain. Fern trembled more and more. Do you know the weight and length of the chain you bear yourself? Fern glanced about her on the floor in the expectation of finding herself surrounded by some 50 or 60 fathoms of paper links, but she could see nothing. Amy, Amy, tell me more. Speak comfort to me. I have little to give. It comes from other regions, Fern, and is conveyed by other ministers to other kinds of people. A very little more is all permitted to me. I cannot rest. I cannot stay. I cannot linger here long. I rarely walk beyond the youth room. It was a habit with Fern. Whenever she became thoughtful to pace, pondering on what Amy had said, she did so now, but without lifting up her eyes. Why now, then? You have been very slow about it, Amy. Slow? We have labored mightily over this and raised funds for ten long years, yearning to reach out. Ten years of fundraising and yearning to make a difference. The whole time. You might have done a great deal of good in ten years. Amy, on hearing this, set up another cry and rustled her chain so vigorously that Fern was once again intimidated. Oh, captive and double-bound, not to know the good we have done by years of incessant labor, going hungry and fundraising, not to know that any Christian spirit working kindly in its little sphere, whatever it may be, we will find its mortal life too short for its usefulness. Not to know that no space of regret can make amends for one's life opportunity missed. Yet I have been there, but no more. No more! But you are always a good helper, Amy. You're always willing to help out around here. A good helper? Here? But what about out there, outside our walls? Are we not called to help more than just ourselves? Perhaps, but you are still young. You have time to find your calling. Mankind is my calling. The common welfare is my calling. Charity, mercy, forbiddance, benevolence are all my calling. Did not Jesus say, for I was hungry and you gave me food? I was thirsty and you gave me drink? Yes, of course, but someday when you have a career, you will be able to help. 
My career will be but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my life. Amy held up her chain at arm's length as if it were the cause of all her unveiling grief and flung it upon the ground again. At this time of the year, I suffer most. I could not ignore the news reports of the fellow beings suffering before my eyes, and I cannot raise my eyes to the cross but without it reminding me of the sacrifice from which I have benefited. Fern was very much dismayed to hear the young youth going on at this rate and began to quake exceedingly. Hear me! My time is nearly gone. You still have a chance to make a difference. There's still hope for you. I will, but don't be hard upon me. What is it you want from me? Pray, be direct. How is it that I appear before you in a way that you can see? I do not say. I have sat invisible beside you many and many a day. It was not an agreeable idea. Fern shivered and wiped the perspiration from her brow. You will be haunted by the youth group. Fern's countenance fell almost as low as her feet. She did not relish the thought of so many reminding her of her own calling. Is that the chance and hope you mentioned, Amy? It is. I, I think I'd rather not. Without their visits, you cannot hope to experience the joy I have. Expect the first visit today when the bell tolls at noon. Couldn't I take them all at once and get it over with? You wouldn't survive it. Expect the second on the next Sunday at the same hour. The third upon the next Sunday when the last stroke of twelve has ceased to vibrate. That Sunday will be the end of this year's vigil. Burns' anxiousness was clear. And what will I be expected to do? We will be collecting for the hungry and the thirsty in Haiti, in Kenya in the Philippines, in Chile. Why? To break the chains of hunger and poverty in the world. We display our chains and go without for 30 hours so others may eat and drink. Amy held up her wrist, showing the final link, clasped around her wrist, anchoring the chain to her as a constant reminder. And what does going without food for 30 hours accomplish? In 10 years, it has accomplished much, but there's still much to do. Ten years ago, 29,000 children died worldwide each day from hunger and related causes. Today, that number is 24,000, yet 8,000 of that number is under the age of five. There's still much to do. How can I help? You can pray. You can pray for us as we fundraise, as we learn more about hunger in the world, as we go without food for 30 hours. Here's a link just for you to remind you to pray. And you can donate. So I can help. Yes. Yes, you can. You can help us break the chains. To- together, we can help fight hunger and poverty. Link by link, we can dismantle the chain. When I first read this passage, I was a little frightened. Did Jesus really expect me to help every single homeless person I meet or every unfortunate soul? I began to worry that I was already forging my own chain of sin, even if I am only 16 years of age. I began to worry that I was slowly becoming a goat, link by link, yard by yard. But as if God himself willed it to be so, I came across the 30-hour famine theme for this year, love hungry. What on earth could that possibly mean? It could mean a plethora of different possibilities. But for me, the one that came to my mind first was that these people in Haiti or in remote parts of Africa or the Philippines 
and around the world are not just hungry for food or shelter or for peace. These people are hungry for our love, the love of the believers of Christ. They need us to get back on their feet. They need us to heal. Jesus has presented us with opportunities to help the least of these and by association help the Savior himself. These people are Christ. He himself has said so. Though the other thing that seemed intimidating to me about this was I can't just drop everything and go to Haiti to help out for a year, no matter how much I want to. That's just not a possibility right now. I understand how this may seem a little daunting, but we as Christians, as believers in Jesus, have an obligation to help the least of these. That does not mean that we have to leave the country or leave the state to find them. These people are in our very neighborhoods. Maybe it's that elderly neighbor trying to cross the street. Maybe it's that single parent who has to manage carrying a small child and a bag of groceries. Or maybe it's those beautiful children at the road home, or even the youth of our own church trying to dismantle the chain of poverty and hunger, link by link, yard by yard. You can help and you can make a difference. We don't have to go very far to find God. He is right there before us, all around us. We can open our eyes or walk away. As the Lord says in Matthew 25:34, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you. I am reminded irresistibly of the holy table to which he has invited us today. He made an immense sacrifice that day for all of us. When we were hungry, he gave us food, the bread to represent the broken body. When we were thirsty, he gave us something to drink, this juice to represent the blood shed. So now I encourage you to take this offering that Christ has given us when he said, This is my body, broken for you. This is my blood, shed for you. With the remembrance of his sacrifice fresh in our minds, may we enable it once again so that it may live and breathe through us, so that we may in turn give to the least of these.